You're listening to the Harris Beach Podcast, a show that explores evolving issues in the law and how they shape organizations, the way business is conducted, and how we live and work. The information provided in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials are for general informational purposes only. Thanks for listening. Here's today's host. Welcome to the Harris Beach Podcast. My name is Melissa Peterson, and I'm your host today. As legalization of cannabis continues, Harris Beach remains on the forefront of legal services and solutions for clients seeking to tap into this market. Harris Beach represents the nation's leading cannabis companies, including large multi-state operators, startups, growers, and non-plant-touching businesses on a range of issues. Today, I'm here with Wesley Renee, a member of our cannabis industry team and corporate practice group. He'll discuss some fundamental business issues involved with the formation and creation of a cannabis company, from entity selection to tax concerns to distributions of revenue. Welcome to the podcast, Wes. Thanks a lot, Melissa. Happy to be here. So let's start out with talking about the most commonly used corporate entities, which are C-corporations and limited liability companies. In general, when forming a business, what are the advantages and disadvantages of using a C-corp versus a limited liability company? To start from a high level here, everyone's needs are different. So the easy answer to this question is it depends on, on your business, your business model, how you want to form the leadership of your company, form the management, operations, and, and things of that nature. But I'll start with C-corporations. I think generally speaking, the primary advantage of forming a C corporation is that it's it's more attractive to outside investors. Law, generally speaking, governing C corporations is more defined, robust, um, and regulated compared to other corporate vehicles. With that being said, it provides clear expectations for how the C corporation will be governed and outside investors can rely on more established rules and, and regs in their respective states when uh, determining whether they want to invest in a company. Additionally, C-corporations are set up through the law to, to immediately employ sophisticated investor provisions and dyna- dynamics, um, including multiple classes of stocks, qualified stock options of employees, and even the eventual issuance of a potential initial public offering if the business was ever to decide to get to that point. So, for example, if if an owner had high aspirations and believed that they had something special um, in, in a business model and planned on bringing in more investors, bringing in more capital into the business and, and saw that in the short term, this thing could turn into a, a public offering. Typically, the the owner would, would opt for a C corporation um, to accomplish those things. Moving on to disadvantages, um, generally speaking with C corporations, as, as most business people know, um, you're subject to an additional tax at the corporate level. So you are you're subject to tax um, when the corporation um, makes income, and the owners of the corporation are subject to an additional income tax when the corporation decides to distribute that income. So essentially, 
the shareholders of the corporation, um, the money that starts in the corporation is being taxed twice at two different levels. Another disadvantage, and it depends on the perspective of the owner um, and the goals of the owner, but a disadvantage could be um, that you are subject to more rules, more res restrictions. Um, you're subject to generally more case law in every state. Um, and there's also more record keeping and corporate formality requirements imposed on your business. So that main disadvantage for corporations is one of the main advantages that most owners see in, in LLCs. Um, generally speaking, LLCs are, are more flexible for operations and management purposes. The main reason for this is the owner pretty much has full discretion in um, putting together its, his own, his or her own LLC agreement to govern the mechanics of the company. An example would be that a, an owner um, via the LLC agreement is able to reserve certain decisions to be made by the members um, as opposed to any managers or board of managers in the company. This differs from corporations in the sense that typically shareholders will vote um, a board of directors and the board of directors are going to make most business decisions on behalf of the company and delegate a lot of uh, the day-to-day -day business operational roles to officers of the company. Um, another advantage to LLCs is they are not subject uh, to corporate tax um, so long as you do not opt to be taxed as a C-Corp. Um, in the IRS's eyes, LLCs um, are considered pa pass-through entities. Um, as many of our listeners may know, pass-through entities basically means that um, the IRS sees the income of the company as income of the members, regardless of if that income is distributed to its members. So every single year um, when LLCs you know, that do not opt, opt to be taxed as C-Corps have to file their, their tax returns. The tax returns are, are filed by the individual members um, with respect to their pro rata income in the company. So even, again, um, to be abundantly clear, if the income of an LLC stays within the LLC in an account of the LLC and is not distributed, to its members, the IRS will still treat that income as going into the pockets of the members based on their pro rata share of the income, which is governed by the LLC or operating agreement. Um, another advantage of an LLC, particularly to the owners, is that if your business were to ever be operating at a loss, it can pose personal tax advantages for the members, again, because it's treated as a pass-through entity. If you're operating at a loss as a C corporation, the IRS is not gonna give you that, that personal tax break. Um, and, and then the disadvantages of an LLC, one being a lot of owners are happy to avoid assuming any corporate tax at the corporate level. 
but many owners are subject to self-employment tax. Um, so that's something to be aware of and run by your tax advisor um, with respect to, to the tax implications of, of opting for an LLC and avoiding that corporate tax. Um, you want to cover your bases and make sure that any self-employment tax that you may be assuming doesn't kind of cancel that gain for you. Another disadvantage of for, for some owners with respect to LLCs is it, it can pose more of a challenge to pitch to outside investors. Typically, generally speaking, outside investors are less comfortable reviewing a unique LLC agreement or operating agreement that's kind of drafted from scratch from the perspective of a unique owner versus, you know, um, more staple certificate of incorporation and or bylaws that govern a corporation based on established state law. All right. So we'll shift from the general to the specific. When forming a cannabis-related business, are there other considerations that an owner should think about before deciding whether to use a C-Corp or an LLC? And also, um, what role does Section 280E of the Internal Revenue Code play in the CRB industry, and how is the role played here different than in other industries? So to address your, your first portion of the question, um, when forming a cannabis-related business, um, I, I think there's a unique rub with cannabis-related businesses that um, founders and owners need to be cognizant of, um, and, and that that would be the tax liability that may come um, with starting a cannabis-related business. One of the downsides of starting a cannabis-related business is that these businesses are subject to Section 280E of the Internal Revenue Code. Um, and I'll kind of read um, that restriction, but basically in the eyes of the IRS, cannabis is still considered a con controlled substance. And despite the fact that states are legalizing um, the cultivating and, and sale of, of cannabis, it does not mean that um, these businesses are not subject to the Internal Revenue Code where they take away any deductions or credits with respect to certain business expenses of the cannabis-related business. So I'll, I'll kind of recite quickly here Section 280E. Um, that's no deduction or credit shall be allowed for any amount paid or incurred during the in carrying on any trade or business if such trade or business or the activities which comprise such trade or business consists of trafficking in controlled substances within the meaning of Schedule 1 and Schedule 2 of the Controlled Substances Act, which is prohibited by federal law or the law of any state in which such trade or business is conducted. Now, cannabis is under Schedule 1 of the Controlled Substances Act, so it is vitally important to understand um, your business will not be subject to which can be very large uh, tax deductions and credits with respect to business expenses um, that other normal businesses that do not sell um, products or services that fall under uh, Schedule 1 or Schedule 2 of the Controlled Substances Act. So with that being said, there's a lot of questions that come with starting a cannabis-related business. 
Um, and what, what deductions can I get um, in compliance with Section 280 when I start this business? So it's important to note that an exception to Section 280E is cost of goods sold. Cost of goods sold in connection with a cannabis-related business can be deducted or credited so long as the IRS classifies uh, that expense as an actual cost of goods sold. I am not an accountant um, and, and I'm not in a position to kind of get in the weeds on what constitutes cost of goods sold in the eyes of the IRS, but it's important to note that, that those expenses may be deductible to cannabis-related businesses. In any event, since Section 280E is applicable to cannabis-related businesses, it is common belief that can cannabis businesses will be subject to significantly heightened scrutiny by the IRS, which comes in the form of a relatively high risk of audit to confirm business expenses were not illegally deducted on company tax returns. If a company becomes subject to an audit, the IRS will audit a corporation and only the corporation's tax, tax returns for non-compliance with 280E. So the important item to note is that tax liability differs when considering this particular 280E issue um, when running your business through a corporation versus a pass-through entity such as an LLC. So hypothetically speaking, your cannabis-related business is run through a corporation and becomes subject to an audit because the IRS feels as if you are writing off deductions and credits that um, you are, are not allowed to, uh, to write off. Because you are operating as a C-Corp, and uh, the IRS recognizes the income of the business as that of the C-Corps and not of the shareholders, only the C-Corp is subject to the audit. And therefore, through any audit in connection with 280E, none of the shareholders' personal tax returns will be exposed. Um, and there's um, limited exposure with respect to the shareholders assuming the tax liability personally. In terms of paying off any tax liability, the corporation will be on the hook for, for paying that money to the IRS. If you are running your cannabis business through a, an LLC, um, the, the case differs substantially because the IRS treats the LLC as a pass-through entity and does not recognize the income of the LLC as that of the LLCs, but as income of the members of the LLC. If the IRS decides to audit you, they're auditing the personal tax returns of its members. Now that can be a major concern for potential owners of new cannabis related businesses because nobody wants their personal tax returns uh, to be audited by the IRS if they can avoid it. Um, not that there's anything to hide, but w w with an audit um, comes additional risk and potential potential additional tax liability. And if the IRS finds any tax liability with respect to 
the the personal tax returns related to the LLC, that tax liability falls on um, the personal accounts of the members of the LLC. With respect to this particular issue, you know, it, we we encourage our clients to first of all reach out to their tax advisors and kind of review this issue in terms of you know what type of risk are they willing to assume with respect to potential audits from the IRS in connection with 280E and kind of let them know that um, the corporate structure of a C-Corp can actually protect them from audit and tax liability in this particular situation. Um, moving on to a different point is cash flow and flexibility of operations and management of your company. Cash flow is a big issue that um, founders of cannabis related businesses have to have to consider because you know it takes some time to prepare you know your corporate vehicle, get the funds ready in order to invest in a substantial business venture make the appropriate applications for the, for licenses in order to to cultivate or sell cannabis within your state however a lot of these states including new york you know um regulations are are still we are still waiting on on regulations to be issued um it is unclear how long it may take to to get a retail license um so while businesses are making the necessary preparations to become a successful cannabis related business at some point in the future cash flow may be at a premium for a significant period of time considering that point a lot of owners would prefer to maximize their flexibility in their corporate vehicle and that is where an LLC may provide an advantage compared to a C corporation if it is, it's crucial for a business to maintain limited restrictions and formalities um, in connection with making capital contributions, um, in connection with making distributions as it waits for its license to cultivate or sell retail, um, owners may really want to consider using an LLC to maintain such flexibility. And again, that is because owners have the, the opportunity to draft their own LLC agreement um, or their own operating agreement and basically prepare for the flexibility it the precise flexibility it's going to to need and and address those issues in the LLC agreement what is the best way to manage and distribute profits for a cannabis related business in light of the legal and tax issues that you've discussed so far so i, I think that's a great question but it is a loaded question and it, it depends on the business I think for C corporations, they should keep in mind that tax liability related to 280E resides with the corporation and thus distributions already made to owners are likely not subject to any tax or audit liability with respect to 280E, which, which is unique to the cannabis business. Um, provided, um, it is still pivotal to keep enough working capital in the corporation to con to conduct a sustainable business. Um, as previously touched upon, cash flow is 
crucial to, to the livelihood of a business, especially considering it's probably going to take on a fair amount of expense before it can ever collect any revenue. So you need to be able to find the right balance with respect to, you know, how much money needs to be in the corporation um, to sustain a successful business. In terms of LLCs, I think it's up to the members um, and or the managers to diagnose what type of working capital needs to be readily available to the LLC in order to, to, you know, sustain a successful business. But in light of Section 280E and tax issues, um, it's less of a concern because the IRS is going to treat, you know, the profits and income of the LLC as income of its members, regardless of whether the LLC decides to distribute that income. So finally, do you think that as the law changes with regard to cannabis-related businesses, some of the concerns that are specific to these CRBs might change? Absolutely. I think we are we are all working in a very exciting but challenging space right now because things continue to evolve rapidly at the state le- level um, in the long term. It will also evolve um, from a federal perspective, I believe. So, you know, we need to be on our toes with respect to monitoring regulations that are going to govern our cannabis businesses in different states. Um, On top of that, we need to be very cognizant of any new IRS guidance that comes out that can give us more insight as to how we can operate the most efficient businesses from a tax perspective. I know I I touched on 280E in a previous question, but to kind of provide an example of why it's so important to stay up to date on the law and be in touch in constant contact with your attorneys and your tax advisors is that, you know, depending on how you interpret and apply the law, there, there can be some advantages and solutions out there to running a more efficient, cost-effective cannabis business. Um, one being is um, if you're in a position to start your own cannabis-related business and you have the capital, it might be advantageous to you to start your own non-related cannabis-related business. And that is because um, you you may be able to put yourself in a position where your your cannabis business outsources certain expenses to the non-cannabis business so that that non-cannabis affiliate can benefit from particular tax deductions and tax credits, you know, when providing those services. So for example, the exception to 280E is cost of goods sold. You know, you would try to limit the business activities in the cannabis business as much as possible to cost of goods sold. Um, With respect to marketing, sales, rent, um, things of that nature, that are not considered costs of goods sold in connection with, you know, developing your inventory, perhaps you could outsource those expenses to a different company for, for example, marketing and sales services. And so long as that business is considered non-cannabis related by the IRS, that business can write off those expenses for the services it provides the cannabis business. So if the owner owns both 
businesses, perhaps they can, you know, find a way to to receive that benefit of those tax deductions and and tax credits. Uh, unfortunately, it is extremely difficult to figure out what the IRS will recognize as, you know, a cannabis related business and non-cannabis related business. Um, you know, companies should understand that if they try to go th- go with a shared services arrangement model where they're running two separate businesses in order to to gain the benefit of certain tax deductions and and tax credits, they may they may be assuming additional risk because um, the IRS could turn around and say, hey, you may think this is non-cannabis related, this business, but it is. And therefore, you are not getting any deductions on your marketing and sales services provided to the cannabis related business. So I, I think uh, to circle back here, um, there's a lot to learn, and this is evolving um, weekly <laughs> um, at this point. Um, I think the best we can do and the best business owners can do is just stay up to speed with, you know, state law, um, state regulations that are being issued in connection with governing cannabis businesses, and, and also being in touch with your tax advisor to confirm um, where the IRS stands in terms of treating um, cannabis-related businesses. So, Wes, thank you for joining us today. We will conclude with a question that I think I know the answer to. Uh, In light of these rapidly evolving and quickly shifting laws, regulations and compliance requirements, is it important for someone looking to start a cannabis-related business? Is it important for them to consult an attorney who is part of a comprehensive cannabis industry team? 1,000%, absolutely, absolutely. I I can't stress that enough. I think that um, it is absolutely crucial for potential business owners that are getting into the cannabis space to stay in constant contact with their attorneys and with their tax advisors um, because the the evolving law and tax ramifications around this business are critical to the livelihood of, of their investments and their businesses. I please, I please encourage everybody to to kind of stay up to date with with the ever changing legislation surrounding um, cannabis um, in New York State and states around the country, um, and and also kind of paying attention to how the IRS decides to treat cannabis related businesses in states that are are legalizing the substance. And, and to, to close here, um, I just wanted to be abundantly clear that, that none of this podcast is tax advice or legal advice. Um, it is merely considerations um, from a corporate lawyer's perspective and, and common issues that we have identified in this space. And, and please do not hesitate to reach out to Harris Beach or um, your attorneys um, if you have any interest or any questions regarding um, starting your business in the cannabis space. Thank you. You've shared some really important considerations and issues. 
To contact Wes and find out more about our cannabis industry team at Harris Beach, visit harrisbeach.com slash cannabis. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Harris Beach podcast. Be sure to visit harrisbeach.com to join the conversation and access show notes. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast.